My name is John Bradbury, and this is the Understanding Your Identity and Purpose podcast. Welcome, everyone. This is episode 11. We're talking about radical acceptance. Before I get into that, I just want to mention um, I created a guided meditation for you if in last week's session and it is a mix of nature sounds water rain wind with periodic uh, meditation prompts and prayers and declarations and affirmations all of my favorite you know ways to uh, connect with God and I created it for you but if you're listening on the audio podcast, I just want to let you know that there's also a YouTube version. And on YouTube, there's two versions. There is just the audio, um, just the music and the nature sounds, so without my voice. And then there is the guided meditation with my voice added to it. Um, I find it ec extremely helpful to have a way to block out background noise sometimes. And you might be on a jog, you might be on a walk, you might be at the gym, you might uh, be have time to connect with God, but not have the space or the quiet. And this gives you a, an option to do that. I I love nature sounds, uh, and I love, you know, this uh, peaceful music, but this combines both of them, and it's about an hour long, and so if you're watching on YouTube, I just want you to know there's an audio version on the podcast, and if you're listening on the podcast, I want you to know on YouTube, there's two versions. There's just the, the sounds and music itself. And there's also the guided meditation, which is the same as the podcast version. All right. Radical acceptance. Radical acceptance. I want to talk about three different examples uh, so that you can wrap your mind around this before we actually get into the details. One is improv comedy. The other is tennis, and the third one is judo. Improv comedy, if, you, if you're not familiar, improv's short for improvised, or um, in, and it's, there's a lot of variations, but in, in one main variation, there is a group of, you know, five to ten people. They get on the stage they actually interact with the audience and the audience gives them the idea that they're going to explore and then they might do 30 minutes of like a play that's funny totally written on the spot so they just created a play in front of the audience you know, if you're afraid of public speaking, this would be the 
the worst imaginable situation. But if it's done right, it is completely hilarious and unpredictable and fun. And one of the one of the rules, you know, they the reason they're able to do this is there are certain rules that they agree to ahead of time. They don't know what they're going to talk about, but in the practice sessions, they agree to the rules, and therefore each member knows the structure of how to respond, even if they don't know the content. And one of the rules is you have to accept everything that another member of the group offers. So, for example, say you're doing a skit and you're in a doctor's office and some, uh, you know, one person's playing a doctor, another person's playing a nurse, the other person's uh, pretending to be the patient, and none of, none of the lines are written ahead of time. So when one person says, you know, when the doctor says, I think we have to amputate your leg, the other person, the patient, cannot say, no, you can't amputate my leg. As soon as they reject the other person's suggestion, it stops being funny and even if there's jokes told, the whole premise breaks down and it's not funny anymore. So when the rule is you have to roll with the punches. You have to go with whatever suggestion that the other person is offering. So if they say, I feel like I have, you know, I think we have to amputate your leg. You can't, you have to accept that and then respond with your own thing. That is how they're able to write on the spot. And I just want to, I, when I heard this, and obviously I'm not, I've never, I have no expertise in this. I've never even been to a live improv. I've never done it. But when I heard it, I said, that is how life is. Life is not scripted ahead of time. Life is this give and take, this response, this accepting and responding, accepting and responding, accepting and responding. And that is how um, real life operates. So let's go to the, the second example, the game of tennis. Similar, you accept in the game of tennis, if I'm sure most everybody's familiar, you have two people on a court, the court and the net and the rules are agreed upon ahead of time. The ball has to land in the lines. It can only hit once and so on and there's agreed upon point structure and and all of that and you cannot play the game by yourself now you could practice with a you know some kind of net or you could you could 
get better at the skills of the game by yourself, but you cannot play the game by yourself. And you, one person serves and the other person responds. And they go back and forth. And the goal is to keep going. So it's similar to ping pong. The goal of the game is to keep taking the ball back and forth over the net. And whoever can't do that loses the point. What you have to do in order to do your part in the game is you have to accept the other person's part. You can't resist it. What do I mean by resist? I mean, when you, when the other person is hitting the ball, you can't wish it was somewhere else. You can't, you can't say that wasn't fair. You can't change the, the rules. You can't, you can't wish the weather was different or want the other person to hit it in a certain spot. You know, you might be good at backhand or forehand and you want, you, you would rather the ball be in one spot because you're better at hitting from that position, but you can't wish the other person would do it the way you want them to do it. You can't resist the way things are. You have to accept that the ball is coming to you at this angle with this spin, and then you have to respond to it. There is no benefit in resisting because all it does is it steals your focus, it steals your attention away, and you don't have the attention or the focus to respond. So similar to life. Now in life, there, there's not an agreed upon you know, set of rules that is so clear and fixed like in a game. And there's not a winner. There's not a winner and a loser because... Uh, life is not a fixed game like that. Life is more like a game that you want both people to benefit. You know, like family, uh, business, church, school. You In a business, you want your suppliers to, to prosper. You want yourself to prosper. And you want your customers to prosper. You don't want any losers. Because you all benefit by you all benefiting. You want this win-win situation. You know, inside a business, you want the owners and the managers and the workers all to benefit equally so that you're all cooperating together. So it's different in that way. You know, like a family, um, you know, there is no winner and loser in relationships you want mutual benefit. You want to benefit each other so that the 
um, the combined relationships, the combined atmosphere of the family, the combined environment that you create is better than if you were by yourself because each of you are contributing and lifting up the others and together you create more peace, more joy, more love, more fun, more, you know, money, more memories, more joy, all of that stuff because you're mutually benefiting each other. So the game of tennis is not exactly um, a metaphor for life, but in the sense that you cannot resist what the other person is offering, you have to accept and then respond, accept and respond, accept and respond. Resistance will only hurt you. Now let's go to the third example, which is judo, which is a form of um, martial arts that is based on the premise. And again, I'm not I'm not a good tennis player. I I've never I've never done judo. I've never done improv. I'm not an expert on these things. These are just things I've heard that really connected, helped me understand this concept of acceptance. So if I'm getting something wrong, um, just forgive me. I'm sorry about that. But I, in judo, it's a martial art that is um, very much centered around the idea that you don't resist the other person's momentum. You use their momentum against them. So if somebody punches, you don't try to block their punch. You try to use the momentum of the punch to throw them. You know, if somebody kicks or they try to pummel with you or grab, you're not, you're not opposing. You're accepting their move and then creating your response in a cooperation with their move. You're using the momentum of their punch or kick or throw or whatever to throw them or to respond. So in all three of these examples, and we could go on and on, there's so many more, the key is to not resist. Resistance gets you nowhere. It gets you nothing. All it gets you is frustration. Now let's go back to our model, the garden and the gardener model, in which you, as a spiritual being, are the gardener, and your body is the garden, and your life produces fruit through the gardener watching over and tending the garden. That's how it is. That's how we are intended to live. That is how we live whether we know it or not, or like it or not, that is the way 
things are designed. And so in this, in this model, in this garden analogy, resistance would be stuff like, oh, I, I wish the weather was different. I wish the climate was different. Like I wish I lived in a different place or a different time. I wish it wasn't so hot or so cold. That's resistance. Or I wish tomatoes grew in the shade. Or I wish, you know, corn would grow, you know, in one week. I don't accept the way things are. I resist the way things are, and the result is less fruit, always. Always less fruit. Or in your life, you could say worse results. If you're doing improv comedy, and you've agreed upon, like you've, you've like a family, you've decided these are the rules of the game, the goal of improv is to keep it going in the time allotted and to be funny. That's all. To keep the game going and to be funny. In order to do that, you can't resist the other person. You accept and then respond. In tennis, the goal of, the, the goal of each volley is to keep it going to keep the ball in play. That's the goal. Keep the ball in play. And the goal in judo is to beat the other person by using their momentum against them. Re not, not resisting what they do, not wishing they did it a different way, but accepting and then responding well the goal in life as the goal is similar to the goal in a garden is to bear fruit the bear fruit that's why you have a body you are not a body you are a spirit but you have a body and that, that means that the reason you have a body is to bear fruit. In other words, it's to manifest your nature. You have a nature. You, have, you, you are like something. You are something. You have a nature, but you cannot demonstrate that nature without a body. The reason you have a body is to demonstrate your nature. It is to bear fruit, to produce results that demonstrate your nature. Right? In that game, in the game of life, resistance is the enemy. And here's what I mean. If you are trying to control your circumstances, what happens is 
Well, let me back up. You as a spirit being, you have attention. You have the, you are awareness. You are the being that is aware. You are the, the conscious being. You have attention that you can direct. So I can direct my attention on this person or on that thing or on solving this problem or on the presence of God or on the Word of God or on what I'm going to make for dinner. I can direct it to my attention. So I, ha I am awareness and I have attention that I can direct. I also have desires that I can direct. I have intention, with an I, intention or will that I can direct. I am the awareness, but I have these, I have attention and desire and intention. I also have imagination that I can direct. All of these things I am responsible for, these make up my being. Paul said in Colossians, set your mind on things above. And in Romans 8, it says, he who's led by the Spirit sets his mind on the things of the Spirit. Well, your mind is the attention, the imagination, the desire, the intention, the intellect that your spirit can set. It can focus. It can, it can direct. So... You are not your mind. You are the one that can set your mind on different things. If you set your mind on egoic desires like the, the desire for revenge or the desire for control or the desire for approval or acceptance and you don't get those things from God, and you're trying to take pleasure from life, you will set your mind on things that end up having a destructive effect on you. In the garden, the flesh, so to speak, in the Bible, if you, if you read the book of Romans, and, and it's all through the New Testament, the Jesus and the apostles, they distinguish between flesh and spirit. The spirit, your spirit, is that awareness that can set your attention and your imagination and your desires and your intellect and your intentions. It can set them where it wants to go. In other words, it is the, it is the gardener 
deciding what to plant, how to care for the soil, what weeds to pull and what plants to leave, to water or not to water. It is the one watching over your body, watching over your brain. Just remember, your brain is physical. Your brain is your body. It's cells with electrical impulses and chemical processes. And your awareness can decide to direct it this way or this way or this way. That is what you want. You want to have a gardener in charge of the garden deciding to think this, feel this, want this, don't want this, deciding to put your attention in different places, deciding to imagine a, a good future instead of worry about a bad future deciding to use your intellect to solve this problem instead of that problem. So that is the goal. That is the practice that we're all in. Being the gardener in charge of the garden. Well, the flesh, I use the word ego. Um, they're almost synonymous in my mind. I know the word ego is not in the Bible in the sense, but I'm, I'm using it uh, in re to replace the word flesh in, in the Bible because people get confused with the concept. They actually think that your body is bad, that your mind is bad, and that's not the case. Your flesh, in a, in a spiritual sense, is if you are living an unconscious life, meaning your body, you know, in this case, the garden, the piece of ground, has been left unattended. So your body is neutral. Your brain is neutral. It responds either to you, if you've taken responsibility for it, or it will respond to a demon if you've allowed a demon to influence you, or it will respond to the Spirit of God if you've yielded control and set your awareness on the Spirit of God and allowed Him to influence your life, or in the case of the flesh, in this sense, it will just respond to the environment around it if you've left it unattended. That's the flesh. It is your body and brain left unattended. Nobody's watching over it. Nobody's tending it. There is there is no awareness that you are a spirit being. There's no awareness that you can direct your th thoughts, direct your feelings. And therefore, your body will just respond to the time in history, your parents, the beliefs that you were taught to you, the school system, the weather, the government, 
the news cycle. You will just become a product of your environment. Well, that is a very poor way to live because if everybody is a product of their environment, then we're all just responding to each other and we're all trying to take from each other because we don't have a sor- an inner source self-control and we can't connect with God. Your, your body, your, your garden is not God's property. It's not God's responsibility. It's yours. And it cannot respond to God unless you're the gardener. Unless you become aware of yourself as a spirit being, you can't connect with God who is a spirit being. The goal of life is to walk you, the spirit, the awareness, the consciousness, to walk with God, who is also spirit, in your garden. And whenever he wants control, you yield control. And when he wants to manifest his nature through your body, you allow him to do that. And when he wants to plant a thought, you cooperate with him. When he wants to give you a feeling, you allow him to give you a feeling. When he wants you to imagine a certain thing, you allow, you cooperate. Same thing with your intellect and your desires and all this stuff that you have become in relationship with God, spirit to spirit, and together you are manifesting his nature through your body. Now when he when his nature is manifested, your life starts to look more and more like Jesus because Jesus perfectly manifested God's nature. He completely yielded his own nature and manifested God's nature on the earth. All of God's intentions and desires and intellect and wisdom and imagination and character and nature was manifested through the life of Jesus. Now when Paul the Apostle says in Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, this is what he's talking about. He was getting to the place that Jesus lived, where he had yielded all of, he had yielded his body and brain to the nature of Jesus and and Jesus was able to manifest his nature through Paul's body and brain. Now, what does this have to do with acceptance? Acceptance in life is critical to bearing fruit. Because you have an attention you can direct and 
you are an awareness. You have intellect and desire and affection and intentions. You can focus when you resist your attention goes to resisting the way things are and it doesn't which means it's not focused on respo your response it's not focused on self-control it becomes focused on circumstance control let's say that one more time when you resist your attention that you can direct go tries to control your circumstances instead of controlling yourself in improv, that would mean you try to control what the other person is going to say instead of thinking about what you are going to say. It breaks down the game immediately. It breaks it down because not only are you not going to say things that are intelligent and funny, you're not going to be interesting, but there, the other person is not going to be able to participate because you are resisting their idea. And immediately the game stops. The fun stops. Life stops when you start resisting. In tennis, if you are resisting the way things are, you know, I wish they wouldn't have hit it there. I wish I had a different referee. I wish it, it wasn't raining. I wish they would stop, you know, serving it so fast. <laughs> I, I wish I resist what I feel is frustrated. I feel victimized. I feel anxious. I feel worried. I feel fear, I feel anger. I want them to cater to me, but I'm not developing my own skills. I'm not focusing my attention on my response. I'm not being responsive. I'm being resistant. The result is, I will always lose the game. Always. I will always lose the game if I resist the way things are. In business, if I resist the laws of the land, if I say, I don't like these laws, I'm going to make a business that doesn't abide by them, then I will go out of business. Now, the laws might be unjust. The laws might not be fair. And in a separate thing, I could try to change the laws. But if I want to start a business, 
I first have to accept the laws. I also have to accept the marketplace. I have to accept what people want. If I try to sell what people don't want by resisting them, if I try to resist the laws, I will go out of business both ways. In judo, if I try to resist the other person, somebody throws a punch, I move towards them and try to stop the punch. What is that doing? It's doubling the force. It's like, you know, two cars colliding together, both going 50 miles an hour, and they go head on to each other. The force is multiplied. And what destruction and... and chaos result. I have to, if I was in, in judo, I have to I have to apply so much more effort to resist you because I have to multiply the the energy to resist the force that you're you're giving. And instead of using your energy against you. You have attention, desire, intellect, imagination, intentions that you can decide where they go. You are not your thoughts. In a garden sense, your thoughts are like the seeds that go in the ground. The soil is similar to the emotional state you live in. These aren't perfect analogies, but this is, you are not the ideas that get planted in your brain. You are the awareness that plants them. You are not the thought. You are the one that is thinking. You're the thinker, not the thoughts. You're not your feelings. You are the one feeling. You are the awareness that is experiencing the feeling. Just like Paul says, set your mind on the things of the Spirit or set your mind on things above. You are not the mind. You are the one setting it. In other places, he says, set your affections. You are not your affections or desires. You are the one setting them. When you resist, and what do I, I just, what do I mean by resist? Here's some examples. Wishing you had different parents. Oh, I wish my family was different. I wish my parents were different. I wish I would have been raised differently. Wishing you lived in a different time in history. Oh, if I would have only been born in this time or that time. Wishing that the government was a different kind of government. Wishing the weather would change. Wishing the laws would change. Wishing the marketplace would change. 
wishing that you lived in a different body. Like you're, if you wish I was taller or shorter, a different color hair, different facial features, the things that you don't have control over, wishing that the your family, your friends would act differently. If you are trying to control the way somebody else acts, you're resisting. If you're trying to control, if you just if you're angry that at your government or angry at the weather or you're complaining, complaining is a great sign of resistance. Is there anything you're complaining about? The system is rigged, so to speak, is your mindset. Even if you were in very difficult circumstances, say you were in prison, say you were, you know, in an abusive situation, say you worked for a terrible boss, now you could, you could quit that job, but in some extreme cases, like being in prison or living in a country that's poor, if it's very difficult to become rich in a country that's poor because the whole marketplace doesn't have money to spend and it would require some you know favor of god and maybe some external investment which is possible we live in a very connected world but what i'm saying is if you were going if you're in jail and you're going to be in jail for 5 years and whether you did it or not, whether you were deserved to be there or not, whether they treat you right or not, whether you have a cell by yourself or not, you have no control over it. The only way you're going to thrive in that situation is to accept that situation. Accept the way things are. You know, maybe that would be similar, say you were in the the biggest tennis match of your life it cannot be rescheduled it's on it's on live tv and then a giant you know thunderstorm comes in and it's raining and then the court's wet if you want to win the match you have to accept that the court is wet you can't be mad about it you can't wish it was differently you have to accept. You know, in golf, you have to play the course that you're playing. If the greens are hard, the greens are hard. You can't wish they were soft or you'll hit the wrong shot. Your job is to respond to the way things are, not to resist them. Now, again, if you... If you feel called to change the laws, if you want to create a more just and fair and equitable society, if you want to make things better, by all means make things better. But do it on your turn. Do you see what I'm saying? Do it on your turn. Turn. When the ball comes to you, 
you hit it back in such a way that makes things better. When, when the government, you know, punches, you respond in such a way that you accept the punch and use the momentum against. Now I'm using that in a sense that the government were unjust, that the laws were not fair. If somebody tries to hurt you, you don't resist. Jesus said, do not resist an evil person. You know, pray for your enemies. Forgive people. This is the act of acceptance. You see it all through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It is acceptance first and then response acceptance and then response you accept the way other people act and then you respond in kindness you accept your identity as the light of the world and you respond by shining there is no benefit in resistance now it does not mean that we leave things in an unjust or unfair or, you know, in a bad environment. It's in a you don't you don't leave things worse. You don't leave things, you know, with unrighteousness and, and unjustness. It just means that you cannot change things by resisting them. You cannot, you can't change the game by resisting it. You have a body and a brain and a life, and you have responsibility and control over that. You do not bear get better results by resisting the way things are. If you want to grow more tomatoes, you have to accept that they like full sun, a certain kind of soil, da 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 da. da. You cannot you cannot resist the way tomatoes are designed. You cannot resist that, you know, somebody when you were five came and abused you and dumped a load of garbage. You cannot wish there was no garbage on your property if you want to bear fruit. You have to accept that there's a pile of garbage and take responsibility to clean up that garbage. If you want to make society better, you have to do it through the fruit you produce, the space you create. I hope this makes sense. You can't do it by wishing other people act different. You have to act different. You see what I'm saying? If you don't... You cannot create space, create a new environment 
by resisting the old environment. You can't say, oh, I just wish it was, it was different. You can't wish it was different. You have to talk different, think different, act different. You have to direct your attention on your response in order to make things better. Now, it's true for your own life, but it's also true in how you affect other people, how you influence, how you lead. You cannot just wish people were different. You have to accept the way they are and then respond in love. You have to forgive people and respond. You have to take responsibility for your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, and you can give, you can teach, you can persuade, you can sell, but you can't resist. You can't resist. You can use all your all of your persuasive skills. You can learn how to write really well and speak really well and sell. You can learn how to create beautiful things and you can learn how to listen really well and, and create beautiful spaces. And but you cannot wish people were different. You have to accept them the way they are and then respond. People that don't act well, the reason they don't act well is because they're unaware of their of themselves as a conscious being. They've left their garden unattended. It is not your job, as a Christian believer, it is not your job to get them to agree with you. It is not your job to get them to a, put a check mark by some doctrines that we all believe. It is not your job to even get them to agree with a certain doctrinal statement or society or a way things are. You're not trying to get them to agree. You're trying to connect them, help them connect to God the way you have become aware that I am a spiritual being, that I direct my attention, I direct my intentions and desires and intellect and imagination. And by doing so, I can choose to bear fruit. You're trying to help them realize the same thing. This is the work that Jesus and John the Baptist did when they they said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand they weren't they weren't preaching jesus yet they weren't saying they were saying change the way you think change the way you think so that you'll be ready for jesus so that you'll be ready to connect with god it means start living a conscious life a conscious life Start Realize that you're the gardener in charge of your garden so that you as a spirit being can connect with God through the spirit 
This is what we want for everyone. We want them to become conscious so that they can become connected. That's all. We're not trying to get them to behave a certain way or to believe a certain way. We want them to become conscious. Oh, I'm the gardener of my life. So that they be, can become connected. So that they can know God through experience. They can develop a trusting relationship with him. We're not trying to control anyone. We're trying to help them become conscious and connected. Connected to God, connected to the planet, and connected to other people. That is love, is that feeling of connectedness. Resistance takes your attention and Focus it on circumstances instead of focusing on your response to those circumstances. Resistance makes you feel like a victim. It makes you feel like an orphan. It makes you feel like, it makes you feel angry and anxious and worried and scared. It makes you feel out of control by which you will respond by trying to be in control. It makes you feel, be aware of your lack. Which will make you respond by trying to take from life. You end up if you're unconscious, if you're resisting, if you're not accepting the way things are and focusing your attention on your response, your responsibility, if you're trying to control circumstances instead of controlling yourself, what happens is you live aware of your lack and you feel fear or out-of-controlness. So what you do is you try to control other people and, and circumstances and you try to take from life instead of giving into it. What this, all this does is it shrinks your comfort zone down, 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 down until your life is tiny and you're bearing almost no fruit. That's all it does. Resistance causes you to bear less fruit. I challenge you to accept. Accept your body, your time in history, your country of origin, your current environment, your parents, your calling and purpose that God gave you. Accept the rules of the game. Don't resist. If things need to change, they will change as on your response. Not on the other person's hit, but on your hit. They will change by you taking responsibility for your response to the circumstances 
not changing the circumstance itself. All right, guys. I hope this is helpful. It's been very, very helpful to me. And I'm not great at it, but I'm practicing it. I, this is, I, I call this humility. Humility is accepting the way things are. Before you can decide what you're going to do in any given moment, you have to accept the moment. You have to accept the other person and the weather and the circumstance and whatever they said or whatever they did or whatever the environment is, you accept it and then you respond. In your response, you can create more space, you can, you can offer more love, you can listen, you can forgive, and, and that will affect the other person's response. But you're not trying to control them. You are changing the environment for the better on your turn, in your response. You are taking responsibility for your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, and your results. You are directing your attention and your intention and your desires and your imagination and your intellect so that on your swing, if we're talking about tennis, on your turn, you're agile and you're responsive and you make the game better on your turn. You don't try to control others. You control yourself, and you make things better on your turn. And if you do that, if you do that, and your intention is to help other people do the same, you're not trying to get them to agree with your opinions, you're trying to help them become more aware and conscious so that they can be more connected to God. And then, and this beautiful symphony, every great society or environment or culture or business or church or whatever, every great family, somebody went first and started taking responsibility for themselves and making things better on their turn and then it snowballed into most everybody was making things better on their turn and it becomes this beautiful improv play that is hilarious and enjoyable and interesting and fun and we all enjoy life because each of us is accepting the other person and what they say, and then responding, teeing them up, like getting them ready, setting them up for success. We're all setting each other up for success on our turn. You know, in the game of life, it's much more like improv than it is tennis or judo because we're not opposed to other people. We're on the same team. Imagine tennis where the goal was not to beat the other person. The goal was to keep the game going. That's how life is. It's like improv. We, are, we want to keep the game going so that we're all growing and benefiting from each other and changing the environment on our turn. All right, guys. 
God bless you guys. If you are looking for, maybe you're not looking for it, but if you would benefit from 10 weeks going through the New Testament, focusing on your identity, understanding that you are a spirit being, and changing your mindset from a consumer mindset to a producer mindset. If, if you would benefit from that, I highly recommend my book, The Good and Noble Heart, 10-Week Transformation. It is the chronicle of my journey from going from consumer mindset to producer mindset. And I've, I've got daily devotions and journal prompts in there to help you do what I was just saying, become more conscious so that you can become more connected, so that you can bear more fruit. That's the, that's the, the goal of the book. It just gives you a, a daily you know, morning routine or evening routine to help with those things. I'll link it up in the show notes. God bless you guys. Have a great day.